I'm Aria Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. It's time to recap some of the recent games and discuss the important topics in the WNBA world as of today, June 16th. our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com and remember downloading the episode makes our stats look better and allows us to continue doing this important work rachel how you doing there's been a lot of happenings in the WNBA world, a lot of chatter on social media. What's going on in your mind today? You know, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm excited for this week. You know, we're entering kind of that second, thirds. Is that the right right term, I guess? Part of the season, which I think is going to be really interesting. I mean, obviously, we're entering into that period of time right before the Olympic break. We've got some teams that are really struggling. We've got some teams that, um, you know, I think are playing really, really impressive, maybe a little bit of inconsistencies. you got some players out. we got some drama. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot we can talk about. Yeah, and and let me just say my piece with all this drama about Skyler and Jazz Jones and all of that. First of all, I'm here for it. You know what? Like, for so long, at least my feelings and Rachel, obviously, it's our show together, so jump in, <laughs> shut me up whenever you want. I feel like for so long in the WNBA world, like, I don't know if it's been an unspoken thing or a spoken thing behind doors, whatever it is. It's like we don't encourage these players to speak their mind. If a player wants to get into a Twitter beef, get into that Twitter beef. If you feel that your player, your teammates getting disrespected, get out there and defend them. You know what I mean? Like, I am all for that. If another player wants to highlight someone breaking some ankles, I am all for that. My issue with this whole thing is, and I tweeted this out, is all these outlets that completely ignore the WNBA, right? They show up for game five of the WNBA finals. They show up when there's a random beef between players or a player gets arrested or, or something like that happens. They And maybe if you're lucky, they show up for a game winner from like a select few players and they'll put that in the top 10. That's my issue. If you want to talk about, you know, one side of the WNBA world, you have to talk about the actual basketball side. And I'm going to show, throw some shade real quick to ESPN uh, in around the whatever it's called. I, honestly, I don't watch it because they never talk about the W. Um, I love the panel that they had. I respect all those women on the panel. But I tweeted this out also. My frustration towards that panel was essentially you're talking about this whole thing and the conflict that goes on on Twitter, but you won't tie it back to the actual game. Right. You're not going to. And one of them, I'm forgetting who it was. Maybe it was Ramona Shelburne said something to the effect of like, you know, WNBA media needs to cover. Yes. The the disparity on who's getting covered when it comes to the WNBA is there. No one's arguing that. But the part that really irks me and frustrates me is how quickly they glossed over the fact that ESPN doesn't cover the WNBA. If if you don't cover the WNBA and you're just going to show up to get a soundbite, right? 
and then just move on and never cover them again. And I tweeted this out also. I hope we get to the point where the WNBA turns down those media appearances or those interviews and says, if you're not going to cover us as an actual league, I don't want to work with you. Sorry, that's my rant. It, it just bothers me that like, yeah, it just bothers me that the only time we're going to get a segment on TV and we're supposed to be happy about it is when there's a Twitter beef. But we can't talk about the fact that Brianna Stewart's going off. Asia Wilson had a crazy game. Kelsey Plum had a crazy game. Liz Cambage, like all these players, but we can't talk about the game. We can just talk about, you know, the Twitter fingers. And that just irks me, especially coming from people who only talk about the game. Sorry, Rachel, any thoughts on that? Or should we just no, I mean, shut up and move on? Real quick, I think, I think the hope, at least for me, um, I don't want to just sound like I'm just desperate for any coverage, but obviously that the drama gets the attention. That's the case in, in any, uh, I guess, any entity. Um, people love drama, right? They love the beef. I'm hoping this is me being positive and, and you know, that that just continues to lead to more eyes. It continues to lead to more coverage, which you know, eventually expands into, you know, just the actual basketball coverage and what's being done. Um, on and off the floor outside of just, you know, <laughs> two players going back and forth at each other. Um, but, you know, we'll have to sit back and see. I think it's – there's a lot of different ways I look at it. I can look at it glass half empty, glass half full, um, you know, at the end. Rachel, you always look at it as half full, <laughs> and I'm always I looking mean, at it as half empty. I can be critical for sure. I mean, on and, and one hand, I'm excited that it's being talked about. I'm excited that there, there's, there's a panel of extraordinary women, you know, on, on one of the – most watched shows throughout the course of the day, basketball shows throughout the course of the day. But at the same time, it's kind of like, all right, um, you know, still wanting to push that envelope and, and cover these women in, a, in, in the light that they deserve to be covered. Yeah. And I think the funniest thing to me was while watching that, how surprised I was when there was like some random references that the host made and some panel members made. And I was like, oh, like, Either you really did research before coming on the show so that you could talk like you knew what you were talking about, or you actually follow the league. Either way, it just frustrated me that I was shocked to see that. Let's move on. Uh, we had a few interesting games last night. The sky dominated the Lynx. The Lynx defense looked horrendous. One of the worst Lynx defenses I've ever seen. And honestly, it keeps going back to this quote that I saw from Cheryl Reeve earlier in the season where she said, I forget if it was, we're not going to be an elite defense. We're not going to be a great defense. That quote has just like stuck with me throughout this season because as you and I were texting during the game last night, there's no reason that they can't be a good defense, right? Like we saw spurts of it. There's just no consistency of this defense. And I don't know if it was a belief that this offense is going to be so high powered that they can get away with having lapses on defense. But I truly don't think that there is any offense, maybe the Seattle Storm of last year, uh, that is high powered enough that they can just, you know, phone it in for defense. On the other end, you know, the Chicago Sky, I believe they're four and zero now with Candace Parker. Is that right, Rachel? That's correct. Yeah. Any anytime. Candace I mean, that's Parker's, ridiculous. Anytime the, the, the Candace Parker's on the floor, they've won. Granted, you know, you got to look at someone who who they were playing, um, but I. I'm not willing to put Minnesota in the same category as the fever at this point, you know? So, I mean, definitely Candace Parker clearly is a, is a, is a game changer for, for Chicago, but you know, Chicago, they're, they're on a little bit of a roll. They're three game win streak. Two of them were against the fever. Okay. Now, then we're talking about Minnesota. Okay. If people want to put Minnesota in the same category as the fever, like so be it. But I still consider this to be a Cheryl Reeve coach team. And 
Cheryl Reeve's prepared team. Um, so anytime you beat Minnesota, that, that pulls some weight for me, at least in the way that it went down. Um, we can get in, into Minnesota in a minute. But, yeah, I mean, Chicago, it's nice to see them kind of clicking on all cylinders. There wasn't a whole lot of resistance there from the Lynx, though, which was, which was strange to see. I mean, it was like from the jump. You know, you come out just hitting everything, and Chicago felt like they were a little bit unconscious. I mean, they shot like 80, 80% that first quarter. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just have games like that where, like, right, like you dig that big of a hole and you get that momentum early, and it just kind of happens. I think for Chicago, okay, you've won three in a row. Um, no one's willing to put you up there quite yet back into that contender category, but everyone understands what this team is capable of, at least I hope so. So, honestly, I think to me – Thursday's game against the Sun is going to be really fascinating. And now I, I get it. Okay, well, well, Connecticut's without John Paul Jones. Okay, at the end of the day, like we got to stop talking about teams, you know, that are like like discrediting them because they're missing, say, a star player. This is still a Connecticut Sun team that's extremely veteran, that's extremely bought in onto, onto the defensive end of the floor. Granted, obviously JJ's playing like an MVP so far this year, but that doesn't just mean the other players on the team just don't exist. So for me. Really, really, I have a close eye on Chicago right now and what this team is doing and kind of this point in the season, like hitting a stride. What what, what are they capable of doing? I really think Thursday will be a pretty good test in terms of are they turning a corner or are they going to end up being kind of like that, that middle of the pack team that just kind of doesn't really uh, fan out to be what, what we all hope that they could be this year. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I think it's a blunt take. Um, all right. Well, first of all, before I get to my blunt take, <laughs> When it comes when it comes to the Sun, I agree with you. We can't just keep giving them, you know, an asterisk every game that they lose without John Quell. That being said, I think it's a fair thing to when we get to later in the season and we're looking back early in the season, we go, "Wow, the Storm, you know, trounced the Sun by twenty three in Connecticut." We have to say John Quell was gone because she is playing at that MVP level. Now, when they're going up against teams that aren't the number one team in the league. I'm more in boat with you saying, hey, you know, John Quill's gone, but one player doesn't win a championship. It's it's a team thing. Now on to my I'm hot not, I'm talking about yeah. strictly from a defensive standpoint. The oh, yeah. The Suns defense, their ability to rebound the basketball, yes, does hinder them with J.J. gone. But can this Chicago offense, which felt like it was flowing on all cylinders um, on, on Tuesday night, can it do the same thing against the Connecticut Sun? That's what I'm gauging. That's what I'm yeah. testing yeah. No, not, I'm with it, and I'm here for it. On to the Chicago Sky. From my perspective, honestly, and maybe this is too early to have this take, I think, and I, and I said this on the Skyhook podcast, everyone should check it out with James K. you know, the perception and the expectations of this team, I think you have to tweak after this start, right? No longer are we looking at them and expecting them. It's, it's not undoable, but I'm not expecting them to be a top two seed, right? So they're not getting that double buy. Maybe they get a single buy. They're a top three, top four team. The real question for me, honestly, and this is kind of similar to what we saw from the Connecticut Sun a few years ago when Kurt Miller was in his first couple of years there, was, okay, we've seen that you guys can have success during the regular season, but what can you do when the target's on your back, when the expectations for you are high, how can you deliver? And I understand that, you know, someone might want to disagree with me and say, but there's an asterisk, blah, blah, blah. Last season and the beginning of this season have told me that my biggest question for the Chicago Sky team is no longer regular season things. It's when we get to the playoffs, because what's happening right now is we went into the season. They had these high expectations. 
They didn't play well. Those expectations drop. And now no longer are we, you know, going into the season, my question is how will the Chicago sky react to having a target on their back and having those high expectations to be quite blunt, they didn't react well to it. Now that expectations are a little bit lower, maybe it's a little bit easier for them. Granted, this is a very like broad scheme, you know, ideology when it comes to this. So I understand there's many holes in it. But so my question is more so, okay, I expect them to make a run and still be a playoff team, still be, you know, a four to six team somewhere, give or take a spot or two in the playoffs. But my question is more so when we get to the end of the season, if they've had this success that I expect we're going to see in the near future, how do they react when the target's on their back again? How are they going to react when the expectation is high? How is the, uh, I forget, you always use the the really intelligent broadcaster term of like, what is it? The player six inches between your head or what your ears or whatever. What, what, what's the line you use, Rachel? Six inches between your ears. But like, but like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But like at this point, this, this book is yet to be written. You know, like, like True. still, we're still like waiting to see what can happen. And I think Allie Quigley said it perfectly. She's like, we just got to take it one day at a time, you know? So for me, that's why I'm looking at Thursday and that that's it. I think, you know, revisiting what happens with this team at the end of the year, that's, I mean, it's going to tell an entire story that we just don't know the answer to yet. True. But Hey, you know me, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the Seattle storm. I mean, <sighs> they are just rolling. I, I will admit it. I didn't think they'd be this good. Yeah. I will admit it. You know, not, look, they they have found multiple players that together can provide almost what Natasha Howard was providing. They found multiple players that together can provide uh, the aspects of Sammy Wickham, of Alicia Clark. You know, do I think that last year's team would beat this year's team? Yes. But that's not the layout of the land of the WNBA anymore. Do I think this Seattle Storm team is a little bit closer to earth? Yes, like they're going to have some trip ups. They're not going to, you know, just run through this season uh, like we might have like we saw last year, like we expected last year. But damn, they're good, Rachel. Yeah. Damn, they're good. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, and I'm, I'm just looking for, um, you know, just just them to be tested in a way. I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of in a week where, yes, the Indiana Fever. OK, they're playing the Fever twice, you know, um, and again, I, I, I'm not trying to pardon my French shit on Indiana. Um, because at some point, you know, they're due for a big win. I feel like we've been saying this for four years now. Can you tell my frustration with the fever? Um, but I just feel like, you know, when it comes to the storm, um, just, just, just those, those, they need to be tested, right? Like, they're, they're, like there's just teams that can't even begin to match up and stop what they can do offensively. And um, even the game against the fever the other night, like I fell asleep because I was just like, it it just it's not even like they played great. It's not even like they played down to their level. It just kind of was it was what it was. So again, I they're playing really well. I think at this point of the season, especially after what last Las Vegas did last night. I mean, those two. Yeah, maybe you throw Connecticut in there. You know, at full strength, just maybe at that like kind of a a, a step below. But man, between the Seattle Storm and Las Vegas Aces, I don't know anyone else who can really go up against Seattle right now outside of Las Vegas. Maybe Connecticut. Um, to truly, truly test them, at least what I'm seeing from the lower, lower portion of the league. And by lower portion, I mean <laughs> the, the, the remaining nine teams. Yeah, I, I, I will say that I have a full strength, you know, with JJ, 
I have them on that same level. I was at the game. I was honored to be at the game in Connecticut versus the Storm and watching it. It was just very clear. Not only was it very clear in my mind that it's going to take a nice time for adjustment, and it was just like the scheduling of it all, right, to have the Storm and the Sun play right after JJ's gone, just stuck, stunk for WNBA fans, someone who wants to see the greatest go at it. But also, you know, this Connecticut team, personally, I believe, is at full strength built to give the Storm a true run for their money and maybe pull off a win. And I'll even say it, I think that they have a better matchup situation than the Aces do. Do I think the Aces are playing better basketball right now? Yes. The Aces are playing some great basketball, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but I, I just think the makeup of the Sun team, it's almost like, like I hope a full strength. If, if we're going to have the Storm in the finals, I almost hope that we have a full strength Sun team against them because I think we're going to be going to five uh, and it's anybody's game. But obviously, what we're nine games into the season, so we can kind of pump the brakes on that one. You touched on something before we get to the aces, the fever. They just continue to be bad. I mean, their young players are not getting enough minutes to grow. Their vet players who we already know who they are, who are getting ridiculously overpaying salaries, Mm -hmm. are not performing. Is like we can't not talk about how bad they're playing, right? They're like, this team is not on par with any other team in the league. Like it's that clear of a gap. Um, Is it? And, and the other thing that we've talked about time and time again is just how the fever have tied themselves in with these contracts where it's not like, Oh, next year, you know, they're going to have all this free space and they can do whatever they want. Like, this roster is set for like a year or two and I don't see them getting out of that ditch. And you have to start wondering at what point do, does ownership, does leadership start to question the people who are in positions of power. But then the other question is, even if you remove those people and replace them, these contracts are already set. So they're pretty much in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all bad, you know, and that's as nicely as I can put it. I really feel I mean, Indiana is, will be best case scenario. What do we think? They win three games this year. I mean, what what what's your prediction? Ooh, <laughs> I'll I'll be nice and I'll say they win four. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you really got to wonder. There's really nothing you could do in the off season that's going to change this team drastically to the rock bottom of the league. You know, like like even if you figured out something in free agencies, like you said, we're stuck with these contracts. And so, I don't know, it's an organization that is very close to my heart in terms of just kind of really falling in love with the WNBA. So it's very frustrating um, to try to understand what's taking place there. But, you know, is it is it out of the question that they hit a stride and go on a little bit of a run and win some games? Anybody could say that, right? But like, I don't see it. I really don't. I think they're that bad that maybe you inch through, you pick up two or three wins the remainder of the season and and you're going to have to make some major adjustments and I think in my opinion you might need to just blow the whole thing up um sorry if that's harsh but um, no it's you're <laughs> I mean, speaking I, accurately I just, let's it, let's move on to something positive cuz I I yeah I mean again when I say I'm being nice that I think that they'll win four games in a season that's the nicest Minnesotan thing I can say uh about that team and now a message about our sponsor Support for the Windsider Show is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below-the-waist grooming. 
Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your personal space. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, 4.0. Join over 2 million men and women worldwide who have trusted Manscaped. With this exclusive offer, you can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WINSIDER20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first to try the new Lawnmower 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and detail are next level. Manscaped engineered the ultimate body trimmer by focusing on intelligent, functional, and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident in safe shaving, and so will you. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths, sizes 1 through 4. And did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system helps the battery length last longer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WINSIDER20 at manscaped.com. And trust me, you won't regret this. Now back to the show. Las Vegas Aces. You know, the Liberty have kind of sputtered a little bit from that hot start. Um, We kind of saw the Liberty in a nutshell, in one game versus the Aces, right? They started off really hot. Then the Aces just continued to chug along and then just put that out of reach. And honestly, I I saw you tweet this out, and I completely agreed. The Aces, in this domination of the Liberty, and I'll say domination because it was systematic, honestly put together the most complete game I've seen from them. And in my opinion, in that win, sent a message. Yes, Sabrina didn't play. Yes, Natasha Howard didn't play. But like sent a message to the league of, hey, remember how afraid you were of us coming into the season? We're still a scary team, even with Angel down. What are your thoughts on the Liberty and the Aces? I mean, the Aces look phenomenal. Kelsey Plum did <laughs> Kelsey Plum things. There's Anyone who's followed her career knows that she has the ability to put up insane numbers. So it was nice to see. Uh, Plum, you know, have a have a game like that, especially off the bench. And she was, she's such a worker, and was so disappointed in some of her recent performances. I, I really, really was impressed with kind of what she did. And I mean, here, here here's the thing, Las Vegas. The, the you know the big knock is, oh, you know, can they can they shoot it from the perimeter? Can they knock down shots? And I was actually on a radio show in Las Vegas yesterday, and, and the guys, obviously very big aces people. Uh, we're, we're, you know, they're, they're so honed in in the paint, right? Like Asia Wilson, Liz, Liz Cambage, um, Bill Ambeer doesn't let him shoot threes, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And, and I'm like, honestly, guys, like out of any Aces team that we've seen, and again, I'm not looking at the numbers, I'm just going off my feel. This is the team that actually can make more perimeter shots than we've ever seen out of a, out of a Las Vegas mm-hmm. team. Um, I mean, Kayla McBride is gone. Um, we can get into that and kind of her struggles offensively. Really, that well, I guess that kind of goes in the category of um, just Minnesota as a whole and their struggles. But I really think Aces got better in terms of their ability to stretch the floor with, um, I mean, Kelsey Plum, you know, her performance, a performance like that, it's easy to talk about how well they're shooting the ball, right, like the day after. Uh, but between Chelsea Gray, Raquana Williams, um, if Jackie Young, not that she shoots a ton of them, but she's doing, uh, you know, shooting about 9% better than she did last year. So, I think that this is a very well-rounded Aces team. Um, I think that obviously they're going to go to their bread and butter, which is the playing from the interior out. But, I mean, you know, this is the most complete team I think we've seen since the beginning of this organization. And and it is fun to see. I, I do. I, I still question the consistencies. But um, if you don't want – especially once you get Derek Hamby going. I mean, she played phenomenal last night. I don't think we talked about it enough. <laughs> Finished from an efficient seven for eight from the field. I mean – 
we haven't really see her like hit her stride quite yet. I don't think this team has peaked quite yet. So uh, again, this is, this is a very well-rounded team. I think, especially if you're talking in terms of stretching the floor and shooting the ball, this is the best team we've seen with their ability to do that. Is it going to be enough down the stretch to win a championship? I guess we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to find out. I mean, uh, you did touch on something that I feel like we talked about the links. We didn't give any shout out to Nafisa Collier. Oh my dropped, God. Yeah, that was what was it? 20, 24 points. Sorry, 23 points in the first half. Man. And then in, but my thing, Rachel, was in the, the whole second half, she took three shots scoring four points. She goes two for three. I don't understand what happened there, why the game plan wasn't feed her more and just let it rip, set a WNBA record. I mean, at one point, uh, she was outscoring the whole team on the links. Nobody else was stepping up. She props to Nafisa Collier, even in a loss, had an amazing individual performance. Yeah. And as we wrap up this this episode, I know Rachel's got to run. I just have two things that have Uh-oh. bothered me recently. Um, we're we're going to call this segment airing out RA's grievances. <laughs> Number one, and, and I guess like this whole episode has been airing out RA's grievances because we started with the whole uh, ESPN thing. But number one, this quote unquote all-star game. Now, I will preface this by saying sources have informed me that we can expect to, if you are on the Team USA team, it will be counted as you being in an all-star game. So for your legacy, right? Because I'm all about legacy, and one of my big issues for many years was in Olympic seasons, we don't have an all-star game. So these players, you know, Simone Augustus, what, she was like an eight-time, seven-time all-star, something like that. Mm -hmm. But you add in the years that she was part of the Olympics or not part of the Olympics, and you're losing out on, you know, three, maybe four, maybe five more all-star games, right? And that affects someone's legacy. Because when we talk about them when they retire, we say X amount of all-star appearances, whatever. It's extremely frustrating. And so I appreciate, I want to start by saying I appreciate that the league decided to do something in this case, right? To have an all-star game so we can continue that legacy. My issue is, is this isn't an all-star game. It's it's a practice run for Team USA, okay? I don't care how you say it. Maybe you should have billed it as... Now, side note, I've always said that we should still vote for all-star game, even if they don't play it, just so those accolades can be attributed to the players who deserve it. But in that same realm, you know, we should be calling this an exhibition game. We should be calling this Team USA versus the up-and-comers, right? Get some players who are under five years of playing in the league, and they're going to take on Team USA, right? Get some players like a Benijah Laney, like, a, you know, some other, a Courtney Williams. There's, there's many players who maybe are past that five years of service type thing, but who aren't on that same star level, if that makes sense, that I would love to see have an opportunity to shine. Kind of like what the NBA does with the rookie and sophomore game or whatever. And we we could tweak it, get creative. But the big issue is players like NECA, Elena Deldon, Diana Taurasi, who have been injured, yeah. who I would assume are going to be making Team USA, are now going to be counted as making the All-Star game, which makes no sense because Team USA is not built based on your this season performance in the WNBA. If it was, it would add a lot of complications. It isn't. And it is completely idiotic, frustrating, and many other worse words that we're doing this. In my opinion, this is a huge swing and miss from the W. 
Like I said, I'm glad they're doing an event, but change the name. This is not an all-star game. So what, would, um, what would your fix be? What would your alternative be? So I, so like I said, I wouldn't call it an all-star okay. game. I would call it, if you want to do a, a warm-up prep for the USA team, I get it. And if you want to like honor the other, it, like, just don't call it an all-star game, okay. to be quite frank. It's the all-star you know what I mean? aspect like, that bothers you. What? It's the all-star aspect that bothers you. Yes, okay. because again, like I said, NECA, Elena Deldon, I haven't seen the finalized list of the Team USA roster, but my question is just, if we look at all those players who are on the roster, based on their WNBA stats, would they be all-stars? That's what my question is. And if the answer for anybody is no, then I think we need to re-examine this. Again, I'm happy they're doing something. I just, and I guess also maybe it rubs me the wrong way that you wait until a month before it to announce it when, you know, for weeks, Kathy Engelbert has been going on uh, halftime shows saying that we're going to have it. We're going to have it. If you're going to have it, put the information out. It's whatever. <laughs> I'm whatever. I'm past it. Number two. So Simone Augustus, the goat returns to Minnesota on this past Saturday and we're told she would be honored. And yes, they did do a nice announcement for her, but she was honored along with Rebecca Brunson. And maybe it's because, you know, I have a, a love for Simone. Maybe it's I'm like being quite open about my biases here. Maybe it's because, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because of my obsession with Simone. I don't know. But am I the only one who felt that this was wrong? Because Rebecca Brunson, I get it. They played together, you know. All four of the championships were won together. They're close friends, so I get it. But looking from the outside in, it's just a little bit confusing when you have Rebecca Brunson on staff. You could honor her and announce that her jersey is going to be retired at any point during the season at any home game. But they choose to do it on the one where we're here to honor Simone Augustus, and for. All of the noise that I saw on social media about teams or the league and teams and whatever, not giving enough attention to Simone, this one left my head scratching. Why have I not seen a social media campaign, excuse my language, shitting on the links for what they did here, right? We are talking about Simone Augustus. I understand there's obviously still some bad blood. I'm not basing that off of someone telling me. I'm basing it off of like, I can see what's going on, right? Yeah. It rubbed me the wrong way. I thought it was disrespectful to one of the all-time greats. Um, and I don't think that's how they should have treated her. I, what are your thoughts? I can understand what you're saying. I've been thinking about it a little bit myself. I don't have as much emotional ties to the situation as you do. Um, it makes me feel better knowing that they're each going to have their own day. You know, like this was just kind of the announcement of it. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be uh, come a, a, a game next year where that, that, that jersey will be retired. Brunson's jersey will be retired on a separate day. Um, so I, I like that. I think that each player should have their own moment, their special day. Now, should they have had that in terms of this announcement, I guess would be up for debate. I, we obviously know how you feel. Um, mm -hmm. I, can, I can understand your, your, you know, your grievance with that. No doubt about that. I mean, um, I wish we knew more of the story of how things had ended. Uh, but regardless, I, I am, I'm thankful that it's happening. And I, I, more importantly, I'm thankful that, both Brunson and Augustus will have their own special day next year. That's just about them. To me, that's the most important. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I just feel like, you know, we should, sure. 
Yeah, like I said, was, I'm airing out my grievances. It was, Something irked me the wrong way, and I'm feeling like no holds bar. You, I don't know if you saw, I went on a Twitter rant yesterday well, about my frustration. No, it's a, it was a missed opportunity. You know, you easily could make an announcement one week for Brunson, and or you know, and then a month later for Augustus, and everyone has their own day twice. You know, you easily could do that. So, um, yeah, probably a missed opportunity in that as well. Any final thoughts on uh, anything that you're looking forward to for the coming WNBA games? Who do we have tonight? As we're recording on Wednesday, we've got Phoenix and Chicago. I think that's going to be interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to that because... No, we got... Sorry. Phoenix and LA. I apologize. Yeah. (laughs) Wait wait a second. Am I going crazy? (laughs) That is all like... I'm I'm doing a piece on Chicago, so that's what I'm thinking about. Um, Breaking news. Breaking news. Um, I'm excited to kind of see how that looks. Uh, I mean, LA is just... You know, they're they're we need we'll need to save that for later in the week when we record again, um, and then a big night on Thursday. It feels like everybody's playing. We've got Seattle Storm, Indiana Fever, Atlanta Dream at Washington, Connecticut Sun versus Chicago. Really excited about that one. I think Minnesota versus Dallas will be a good test. Um, the only one that I'm not super thrilled about will you know be the Seattle and Indiana Fever one. But hey, you never know. Maybe the Fever will be a huge win. So well, let's let's do this real okay. quick, Rachel. We got six games. Today and tomorrow, pick them real quick. Mercury versus Sparks. You go first. I'm going Mercury. All right. Yeah, I'm going Mercury also. But I do think this might be a game where the Sparks can pull off just because, uh, you know, of that high pace game that they like to play. I agree. But yeah. It's not a a for sure. They could steal one here for sure. Yeah. I would say for the betting people, I don't know what the odds are. I would assume that the odds makers are smart enough to know that the Mercury should win this one. If you want to win big, not a bad idea to bet on the Sparks. Dream versus Mystics. Going to be an interesting one. I'll go first on this one. My gut says Dream, but I'm going to go Mystics because I have faith in this vet team uh, recuperating from that horrendous loss to them recently. Who do you take? It's a tough one. It's almost like flip a coin. I don't quite understand enough of both of these teams yet, you know, as they're still trying to like work through this earlier portion of the season with their identity. But um, I, I honestly, I think the Mystics will win, but just for the sake of, of pick them, I'm going to go with Dream. I like that. Yeah, too many people go with just like who they think we're gonna are going to win often. And this fairly has ruined my record in pick them. But often, if I see a lot of people going, oh, this, you know, these two teams are going to play and everyone's picking the Dream. I'm like, all right, let's go Mystics because that's a big win. Um and often it slaps me back in my face. Who are you going with the storm and the fever? That's a tough one. <laughs> All right, moving on. We're obviously both going storm. Um, although if the fever pull it off, you could not pay me enough to not be in that post-game press conference. Uh, Connecticut Sun versus the Chicago Sky tomorrow. I'm going Who Chicago. Going I'm going Chicago also. Um, you know, without John Quell. I think it's going to take a little bit more time. I know we're not going to put asterisks on it. I think it's going to take more time for them to kind of get their system going. Not having Kurt Miller, obviously I have a lot of respect and admiration for Brandy Poole, but without Kurt Miller being there uh, and John Quell missing, I think it's going to, we're still going to see some growth pains, but I'm not worried about the Connecticut Sun, but I do see uh, a continuing the streak for the Chicago Sky. I do want to make a quick note. Shout out to uh, Kurt Miller and his family. We are thinking of you. 
yes. praying for you. We hope we hope everything is okay um, with your mother, and and just sending our best regards to Coach. And hopefully, um, things can improve, and he can get back with the team soon. Yeah, definitely. And we might have to get Brandy on the pod now that uh, absolutely she's taken over the reins for a little bit. Minnesota Lynx, Dallas Wings. I'll let you go first, Rachel. I'm going Dallas. So I completely agree with you. And looking at it, I was like, I'm going wings. But then this little voice in my head said, the Lynx just got embarrassed. They're going to come back firing. I'm going to I'm going to go Lynx. But also, like, that's one of those pick them situations where it's like, I feel like the wings are going to win. But I also feel like most people are going to pick the wings. So let me go Lynx. Yeah, that's, um, that's but that's a, also a problem on Minnesota bias. That's a good one because I'm, I'm curious to see how Minnesota responds to last night. That'll be a good one. To me, that, that might be the game of the night. Um, yeah, because – and honestly, I mean, you look at it and you think to yourself – what like when I look at the matchups, I go I, – I split it up into two, right? It's either front court or back court. What's the weakness and what's the, te- the other team's strength? And the wings obviously have a strength in the back court, and the links have obviously struggled – in the backcourt. So my question is, which one are we going to go with? Uh, moving on, last game of the night, Liberty versus Aces. Who are you going with, Rachel? I, I Should I go first? Because I've been making you go, go first ahead. a lot. I'm going Aces. So Yeah, I think I'm going to go Aces too. Yep. All right. So <laughs> the, uh, the kicker for us is going to be the Dream versus the Mystics and the Lynx versus the Wings to decide who takes pick them today. Rachel, as always, Thanks for joining me and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.